It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the post-Kings pre-Cheetahs midweek edition. My name's Alan Deegan and I've got William Davis here with me. Good afternoon, Alan. So a, a good win against the Kings at the weekend, um, whilst uh, Connacht enjoyed uh, the sunshine as we suffer in this bad weather here up in the, in the Northern Hemisphere. But um, crack and win and we have some audio. Yeah, let's uh, have a listen to uh, Andy Friend's view on that. I spoke to him last night after the team returned to Cape Town. We've um, been here just over a week now, and as you said, we had a, a good win yesterday. Uh, pleased with that, pleased with picking up the five points. Um, and now a six-day turnaround before we play the Cheetahs next Saturday. The Kings are sort of an organised, disorganised side, and it must be quite hard to set up to play them. Yeah, listen, it was hard, and, and we felt um, yesterday was a real banana skin for us if we went off off track of what we wanted to do, certainly defensively. I thought our defence actually uh, held up, um, put put them under pressure. But they're, they're, as you say, William, they're, they're a difficult team to play against and to get the five points yesterday was great. Cheaters are a little bit more structured, uh, but as I said before, they've still got those strike weapons that can really hurt you if you, if you, uh, if you let them. And the altitude and the heat, it's, uh, I know it's kicking off at five in the evening, so it might be a bit cooler than the, the Treviso game was against the Cheetahs, but uh, it's probably going to be mid-twenties and, and you are going up to the altitude. So how do you prepare for that? And you've taken this decision just to go in the day before. Yeah, listen, there's been a lot of research on it. and I've been over here, well, this is probably my 10th time now to South Africa with Super Rugby and... Um, from my experiences and for what the research says, if you turn up three weeks before, you could probably acclimatise yourself best to it, but we don't have that time. So I've done it before. We've turned up. We've had a week there. Uh, we still we still felt the, the effects of the altitude. We felt that given it was a six-day turnaround, uh, we wanted to come back down to sea level, allow the players to recover from what was a pretty uh, torrid affair yesterday. Um, so we'll definitely get better recovery here in Cape Town than we would in Bloemfontein just given the amount of oxygen in the air and then we'll shoot up there and hopefully do a, a, a grab and run on Saturday uh, Will you be looking maybe to make a few changes to, to the team or are you sort of happy with how the performance went yesterday it got a little disjointed in the second half but I think that was as much the style of game as the way actually Connacht played yeah, listen, we, we will make changes. Uh, we brought 25 players over here, and one of the reasons we brought the 25 players over was to keep a couple of players fresh, uh, and if we had injuries, obviously, to cover that. But um, we'll definitely look to use the, the whole 25 uh, whilst we're here. So there's, there's every likelihood there'll be a few changes to the starting team that started yesterday. Uh, but as you said, listen, you know, our second half was not as fluid, fluid as our first half was, but... We managed to hold on and uh, yeah, still pick up the five points. It's nice to see Matt Healy back. He he brings a certain spark. He's he's got a bit of speed, and it's uh, it's very noticeable once he gets the ball in hand. The opposition start to start to panic a bit. The the cover the covering runners have to be uh, very accurate when he's when he's coming at you. Yeah, I thought Matty was really good. Uh, he's very very powerful. He's he's built low to the ground and. Uh, you know, he's got great speed and great power, so 
yeah, I think that was his first try actually for the season. So he was pretty pretty pleased to to get off a bogey there, and uh, it was good to have him back. And Jack Carty was was man in the match. I, it, it struck me that that was a very competent performance from him. He seemed to be uh, reveling in just having a little bit of space to operate, and his decision making was pretty good. Yeah, I thought on the whole, Jack Jack played a good game. I thought his goal kicking was outstanding. Um, he's been doing a lot of work on that, and he continues to to hit above the ninety percent mark, uh, which is impressive. Um, yeah, some of his decision making and attack was very, very good. I, I thought we probably we probably needed to be and will need to be better with our our exiting. Uh, so there's some things that we can definitely improve on for next week. But um, yeah, Jack's controlling the, the the game well and the team leading the team well at ten. Yeah, crack and win. There isn't too many teams who've denied the Kings a try bonus or a losing bonus point down there. So it was a, it was a good win, a very good defensive display. Yeah, I think they're a difficult side to play against in terms of just the way they, they set up is a bit manic. And a lot of sides have really struggled with them. They've beaten them, but they've struggled with their running and their passing. And Connacht's defensive engagement seemed a lot stronger than the likes of uh, Leinster down there who, who leaked quite a few points but still still won the match uh, I think they were disapp- a little bit disappointed with the second half I think it got disjointed Connacht got disjointed the the substitutions maybe didn't all fit in with one standout exception or two well one that really stood out was Paul Boyle yeah yeah I was going to mention Paul Boyle all right he had a huge great way to celebrate him there's a new contract with a with a try like that yeah, absolutely, and it's it's proper try on the on the shoulder of your 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 scrum half. Just when it was getting messy, mm. Connacht nailed their fourth try, get the bonus point, put the game to bed, and he just he just made an impact coming on. The other players did okay, but I think it was the sort of game that was hard to get into. I thought Gavin Thornbury when he came on, it's good to see him back mm. as well, and. Um, Look, it'll be a different challenge this weekend. The Cheetahs aren't a much better side, but they are a better side. They're a better uh, scrummaging unit. Yes. And they pride themselves on that a bit. They have a good old battle with Benetton at the uh, weekend there. And they won that game 30-25. Early kickoff, kicked off at half two South African time, 31 degrees, 60% humidity. It was tough for both sides. They had two designated water breaks they was, will probably be in use as well on Saturday for Connacht, although the Connacht match is kicking off at 5 o'clock mm. South African time, so it'll be a little bit cooler and a little bit, possibly, may not be, but it'll, be, it'll get dark as well. So it, it won't be, the conditions mightn't be quite as harsh. No, no, and, and I don't think they'll have the same wind because it was a, a heck of a breeze blowing down there. We heard that it was a big breeze, but Jack Carty had some kicking display. I think he had two from the sideline that were just brilliant. His, his kicking has come on a massive amount this year. Yeah, it absolutely has, and they were tough kicks. I think uh, I was talking to, just before kickoff, I was chatting to Brendan uh, Lucknan, the media officer from Connacht, and he was saying the wind is a lot stronger than it appears on TV. And you could hear a little bit of it in the sound effects microphones. I, I haven't, because I didn't check it out, but I think that ground might be quite near the sea. Port Elizabeth is a coastal city. Uh, they get a lot of wind uh, at the cricket ground. There is another problem. And it was, uh, it was that nasty wind you get 
it was a grey, overcast day, but you get that wind and it's, it was pretty, it was only 20 degrees, but it, it, it's, it was just slightly difficult conditions. One thing I have to say, uh, beautiful playing surface, yes. looked really, really good. It's the new ground that they've, they're going to play a lot more at. Um, it's smaller. It's at the University of, uh, the Nelson Mandela University. One thing I would say, you still love the sports ground because you're on top of the action. There was a nine-lane running track and grass before you got to another dead area before you got to the stand. And it must have looked a little bit Sabutio sport yeah. if you're in that stand because you it was a long way away. And, you know, we could, don't worry about the dog track. It isn't nine lanes. No, no, we can ask some of the kind of clan because it was a huge, huge, looked like a huge... Uh, I mounted them down there and they certainly made themselves heard. You could hear the, the, the fields ringing out near the end of the game. Um, fantastic stuff. And they've, they've been firing off some great photos of where they're staying. So some people have been very lucky with their, their trip to South Africa this year. Uh, I know, Alan, the snow came down and your, your one didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's, uh, look, it's a good spot. And um, they were making plenty of noise. And it was a good, solid performance. Five points. They could just get the job done on Saturday and come back with two wins and go to six and four. It really would give them some momentum. They've got Europe to come, and then we know you've got these three big interprovincial games coming up at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming to the moving time of the season now. Uh, and in the review of last weekend, which uh, we'll be talking about later on, there's two good results in there Leinster and Glasgow absolutely taking the Ospreys and Cardiff apart. That's You don't want any free points going to them. They're down in our bit of the table, and those were good results. But this is when you have to get your work done. You've got to get your wins, and you've got to get a little bit of momentum. You certainly do. I'll be looking for Kyle Godwin to have another good display. He Again, he's very, very efficient. You know, doesn't seem to make any mistakes. Invariably gets across the gain line uh, and helped with the... Um, Matt Healy getting his first try of the season, which I noticed um, that the coach noticed that one all right. And I think he did something similar last year. He didn't get a try until sort of late October, early November last year and then went on a, a huge try scoring spree. So hopefully we'll see the same again from him. He's a key man because he has real pace and he can he runs good lines. And he could. it didn't so much happen in this game, but the, the, the Cheetahs against uh, Benetton, there was a lot of loose play, a lot of... sort of unfocused rugby at times and that's maybe where he comes in just just free running Mm. running good lines get the ball out to him spread the defence and uh, it was great and it was an important try it was the one that followed up the maybe slightly lucky penalty try uh, <laughs> depend, certain, well, certainly if you were listening to the commentary from South Africa they, they were not happy with some of the decisions going against them uh, they looked relatively fair to me because their man wasn't wasn't um, he, he was always angled in every time um, having said that Conor Carey wasn't exactly 100% himself either yeah it, it was one of those difficult ones the assistant referees down there are very very inexperienced I think it's possibly one of the reasons that uh, George Clancy's been down there uh, is that I think they are doing some coaching clinics for the local referees. South African TV weren't very happy. But it was that penalty try plus Matt Healy. It just, it sealed the game. And then, as I've alluded to, Paul Boyle, that try was needed. The first 20 minutes of the second half were a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. 
and it was important that you, once you get to that stage, you have to get five points. I would quite happily take four points on on Saturday against the Cheetahs. Yeah, yeah, because the, the other, you know, just talking about the defence, we we have to mention it because it's all over it's all over Twitter. The tackle that Kean Kelleher put on the the prop who was bearing down on him. The tackling technique was very good, and uh, yeah, it, it it got a bit of attention that uh, South African TV again managed to show it about three times in super slow mo as well, just to, just in case you'd missed it. Um, that's a testimony to the to, to the work that it needs doing. Um, they do, these South African sides make a lot of mistakes. They give you a lot of chances. They give away penalties. But when they're in open play like that, you've, you've got to concentrate really hard. And that's going to be a part of the key on Saturday, I think, when it's 65, 70 minutes on the altitude and the, if it's a warm day. Mm. You've just got to keep playing. They, they keep going. Yeah. I mean, Benetton, Benetton probably should have won that game, really. But they just didn't get the job done, and then in the last few minutes, they, they you know, they, they, they sat down a bit. And I'd say they looked like they were out of steam. That when when um, McKinley went over, there was three or four of them just, you know, hands on heads, just bent over, double, and that was still ten minutes to go, and you knew they were in trouble at that stage. Yeah, and that's what. what but the thing is, Connacht have played down there. They played down there earlier this year, mm. and they got rolled by the referee. I'm afraid that that, that decision. Mm. Um, you know that cost them the game. Uh, maybe some of the game management by Connacht prior to that was at fault, but the referee's decision there looked very, very odd. Um, but they've been there and they know what to expect. The players, the players will understand that. Yeah. And I think the one key issue is getting your bench on, getting them up to the pace of the game, and how you use them, and making the decisions quickly to get players off. You've got to say that guy's gone. We have to get somebody somebody to cover so I'm thoroughly looking forward to it it'll be another interesting experience I enjoyed the game on Sunday and um, yeah we'll be uh, keeping a good eye on it we will so before we move on let's um, you sent me on some audio of the rest of the results and the roundup of the, the rest of the, the weekend so let's hear from you a lot of rugby on uh, last weekend we'll start with the Pro 14 results on Friday night Scarlets 29, Ulster 12, Leinster 52, Osprey 7, Glasgow 40, Cardiff 15. One game on last Saturday, Cheetahs 30, Benetton 25. And then on Sunday, three matches, the Kings 14, Connacht 31, Zebra 7, Munster 32, and the Dragons 18, Edinburgh 12. We'll have a look now at our European opponents who will be back in action very soon in the Premiership Sale 18 Northampton 13 and Perpignan 12 Cast 16 Perpignan still haven't won a game this season rooted to the bottom of the league Bordeaux coachless at the moment are certainly awaiting a new coach to be appointed 36 Toulon 25 now let's have a look at the uh, Guinness Pro 14 conference tables Round nine completed, so every team's now played nine games. Conference A, Glasgow leading the way, 37 points. They've uh, played 9-1-7. Munster in second, played 9-1-6. And they're on 29 points. Connacht now gone to five wins, four defeats on 26 points. The Ospreys, five and four on 23 points. Cardiff Blues, four and five on 22 points. The Cheetahs, 
two wins, one draw, six losses, 16. And Zebre with three wins and six losses are in seventh place on 15. Conference B has Leinster on top with nine games played, eight and one their record, 39 points, 10 points clear of the Scarlets who are six and three. Ulster now in third place with five wins, one draw and a lot, three losses, 25 points. Edinburgh, four and five, 22 points. Benetton, three and six, 18 points. The Dragons, three and six, 13 points. And the Southern Kings with one win and eight defeats are in seventh and final place in that conference with 11 points. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. Now, of course, the other big news that came out of the weekend was that that Joe Schmidt is will be leaving Ireland at the end of the World Cup, but and apparent, apparently leaving coaching. He he seems to have retired in some way. Certainly, the wording sounds as though he's not going to coach anybody anymore. No, I think we all knew this decision was coming about him leaving. Um, it's been around for a while. I think he's wanted to make the decision a long time out to give opportunity to get a new system in place, but. You know, he is still going to be there. Mm. And then Andy Farrell is going to step into his boots. He obviously has a lot of respect for Farrell. Uh, fabulous rugby league player. A very, very good rugby player in general. And at, at 43, very young man. I um, the, the announcement about the stopping coaching has come as a big surprise, particularly in New Zealand. I think they felt he was he was going to go back to New Zealand. But I just wonder, uh, has the the stress and the the hours? So an interesting comment yesterday from David Kelly in the Irish Independent, who just as an aside described him as Joe Schmidt, the sleep deprived coach. Um, he is obsessed about this, and he admits it. He he talked last week about watching Mitre Cup rugby in in New Zealand. And I think possibly he just has to take a step back. It's an intense business. His attention to detail is we've he- we we hear things. We hear about you know the stuff that the players have to take on board, and the fact that the biggest error you can make, I think, if you're dealing with Joe Schmidt as a player, is to come off a training session and say, "Well, I didn't really understand what you wanted me to do." Because his opinion is, you've been told, if you don't understand it, ask. We will explain it to you, but don't turn around after 20 minutes wasting yeah. your time and the team's time and saying, well, I didn't really understand what you wanted and no, I didn't make the right play. Mm. Um, and I think I can see a career for him as a motivational speaker. Mm. I can see a career for him maybe as a, a troubleshooter coach who might go in for short periods of time. Uh, something like Graham Henry did at uh, Leinster. Just come in, have a look at the setup, and make some suggestions. But in discussion with his family, maybe he's just said, I have to take a, a break from the day to day. This It is a 24-7 job. 
there is a vast amount of analysis to be done and to be the information is coming at head coaches. They have to take it in, appraise it, and then they have to spread it out among the team. And the job he's done for Irish rugby is immense. And he still has a big job to do. There's the Six Nations. Then there's the World Cup. But the whole ethos of, of, of Irish rugby, his stamp is all over everything that uh, Connacht are doing, and Munster are doing, and Leinster and Ulster. It's, he's everywhere. Mm. It's this get better, improve. If you win the match, that's great, but you could do this better. And the thing that also uh, strikes me is the fact that he's, he's raised the expectations and he's delivered and the days of playing really well and beating France or, you know, going over to Twickenham and winning a game. But unfortunately, Scotland came and did us in Dublin. That's gone. The, the level of performance now, the, the demand that he set for the players, he's made them, he set high targets, but he wants the players to set those targets and to keep moving the bar up. And he's also given them the belief that they can do it that it, it's hard work. It's, it's still one of my favourite stories is that when he took over in Leinster, they'd just started a, a new marketing regime about Blue Magic. That, you know, it was all about Blue Magic and Leinster were magic. And he made them take everything down. He said, it's not magic, it's hard work. You know, so it's hard work, it's belief, it's, it's giving guys the opportunity to, you know, express themselves within the framework that he creates, which is a very solid framework where the guys believe in him. They believe everything that he tells them. And even the time we saw him here, he came up and gave a lecture here. He was, he was brilliant. I loved the fact that at that lecture, the first thing he did was talk to the kids. And he made the kids feel welcome because it was in a, an auditorium in NUIG and there was loads of people there. And there was loads of you know, blazers and all sorts of important people. But there was a bunch of kids and he spoke to them for 10 or 15 minutes and got engaged them straight away and then went around everybody else. Yeah, I think you're right. I think as a, a motivational speaker, he'll be, he'll be phenomenal. Yep. Uh so that, that's my suggestion of what he might want to do. Um, and I, 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 think, I think they'll draw a line in the sand and move on. I think it's an interesting challenge for Andy Farrell when he takes over. He's going to probably have some retirements. But I think it will be quite seamless because he's been there and I think he understands the system. And I don't think he'll try to be Joe Schmidt too. And I accept that it's, 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 you can't... It is going to make a difference. It's, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, but there's a lot of work to do first. And uh, I'm sure we'll see him down at the sports ground against. Uh, the one question I would love to ask him, I really will try to track him down and ask him this, is how does he deal when he's up in that little box? He's in that clan terrace and he's there trying. He must be able to. He, it either energizes him is the fact that the place is going bananas around him or he just switches off from it completely because he seems to stand up there. I don't know whether he has a notebook or whether he's just visualizing and, 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 and watching. And, you know, we, we know he talks to all the other coaches, uh, coaches from the Irish setup. Uh, we see them occasionally at Connacht on a, on a Tuesday. They're there, defence coaches, kick-in coaches. That's their job is to go around and see what's, what's available. Yeah, it's very much uh, based on the New Zealand system that, you know, the New Zealand teams, yes, they've got their five teams in Super Rugby, but their whole reason, raison d'etre, is, is New Zealand. It's, it's the All Blacks. It's to make their players avail ready for them. And, and that appears to be the case now, much more so than it ever was before in Ireland. And that everything seems to be feeding straight up 
into the Ireland setup, and <laughs> it's obviously working because they're the team of the year. We've got the player of the year, and and Schmidt was the coach of the year. It was really typical of him not to go and pick up the award, knowing that he was leaving. Yeah, I mean, it did come out the day the day after the award, and I suppose it did slightly overshadow the fact that Johnny Sexton's uh, won Player of the Year, and uh, an absolutely correct decision. Uh, quite how Brian O'Driscoll didn't win it in two thousand and nine, I'll never really figure out. But I think his. I think it was interesting. It was after the New Zealand uh, game here. It was really interesting to look at the New Zealand press. And I think, yeah, there was a feeling that this, they maybe knew it was going to be a very difficult night, but I think they thought they'd win. And I think what really caught them was the fact that they, how they lost and why they lost. And that's where their analysis has started. And you can be sure that all the head coaches in New Zealand will be picking through videos of that game and looking at what Andy Farrell has, his defensive setup. Uh, But Sexton is in the middle of that. He's another rugby obsessive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've I've been around him when he's uh, talking about rugby and it's it's rugby, rugby, rugby. It's 24-7. There's a focus and a determination that's there. And I think he probably was the ideal uh, foil for at, at out half for somebody like Joe Schmidt. It's it's just attention to detail. It's just staying on top of the job constantly, uh, and it's fascinating to see how he has improved players who maybe or who aren't at that standard, mm. and the fact that he he gets performances out of players. He seems to be able to look at a player, understand their strengths, limitations, weaknesses, whatever you want to call it, and then fit them into the system rather than just saying, well, he's not good enough, bring me somebody else. Mm. And Wales are trying to do this with their four teams. Scotland only have two teams. It's it's more of a challenge for them. Italy are trying to do it as well. It's only the two teams. It's just the volume of players. The one place where it doesn't seem to be happening is England. And the English, the English set up... And France... Well, France, I'm, I, France is just France is completely impenetrable. It's it's so hard to work out. But you look at England; you've got twelve teams. They've all got different requirements and needs. RFU have just had a massive loss to announce thirty six million. They have still got twenty five million in the bank, I think, which is I don't quite understand. But I'm not an accountant. But one of the things they've said is they made an agreement eight years ago to give the Premiership clubs two hundred million over eight years for access to players. And they basically said, that is too much money. Mm. And that's not going to happen again. So you just wonder how that works out. It's all right having all these players, but you have to have them. And this is where I know sometimes it's frustrating because players don't play for their provincial sides here. And you think, well, you know, why isn't Bundy for us or Kieran Marmion or whatever? Why is he being rested? The reason is it's all about the top of the pyramid is Ireland and that's the system that's in place and it's working. And that's because the international game is the top of the game. It is the, is the peak. It's not like soccer where I don't think the international game is the peak of the game. I think European European Cup is probably the peak of the game. Um, but in rugby, it's still run by the big team, the international teams and that, you know, if you want to play the best level, you have to do it international rugby. And of course, 80 to 85% of all the monies that come into the RFU coffers come through the home games in the Aviva Stadium. That's the Champions League you're talking about there, Alan. <laughs> European Cup. You're showing your age. Um, yeah, that, that is the problem. 
Uh, I mean, I know that soccer with the World Cup and the European Championships and stuff, but it's sometimes it's a harder, it's it's a di- it's a different setup. But rugby is still the pinnacle side, is your international side, and I think our system sides are starting to other teams, other countries are looking at at us and going, do you know what? That's how we have to do it. Well, again, we keep talking about we don't. New Zealand have been doing this for fifteen or twenty years. This isn't, you know. I, it does sort of annoy me ever so slightly. Oh, the Irish system is the best, but we are just copying what New Zealand have done for a long, long time. Yes and no. The, the one, the one thing that's here is the four teams have got a real history. Yeah. So the, pro- the problem in Wales is the four uh, franchises, mm. the word they don't like, but that's essentially what they are. That's still a hard sell for fans. We, you know, you spoke to uh, Richard when I was at the Neath game there a few weeks ago, and. System system here is look the, all these provincial sides here have a real history. People are brought up with them, and the IRFU took that model and made it work. And a few years ago, there's there's been some issues. We've had our issues in Connacht. There was all sorts of theories there. I think we can now safely say that that is buried. Yeah. Of course, there was a, a, another game at the weekend, another uh, international at the weekend that we're interested in, and in that the Irish women played over in England and England had a good win um, but it wasn't as comprehensive as some people thought was going to be 37-15 is, is, a, is a defeat but it's not as bad as it could have been and yet again there's Bevan Parsons getting on 16 years of age playing in an international in Twickenham that's incredible yeah that's dreamland stuff isn't it really um, it's, it's a tough ask England it seems to, seems England, New Zealand, and Canada are the three powerhouses in in women's rugby. Um, Canada are a little bit off the pace from the top two, but they're close enough. Um, Ireland are amateur players, um, but when you have somebody like that coming through at that age, you do feel that uh, they've got an opportunity in the Six Nations this year. They mightn't be they mightn't be strong enough to to be challenging for the title, but they certainly have have good opportunities, and it was it must have been a great experience. A little bit more news from Connacht. We've had a couple of player items of player news. We, we think we mentioned it already. Paul Boyle's got a new contract, which was um, massive and a great way for him to celebrate his new contract. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, look, he's made a huge impression uh, with everybody, fans, uh, media, management, and um, it's, it's, it's just it's a good bit of progression for him. Uh, on the other side of it, uh, Rory Scholes has, has left Connacht. He had a lot of injury issues here. He never really settled into a pattern of playing. He's gone off to Breve, uh, where he'd be linking up again with uh, Jeremy Davidson and uh, Stuart Olding, who he played under-20s rugby with. So we wish him well. I hope it works out for him. I think he has a lot of talent. Hopefully he'll find the opportunity now to express it. Yeah, with a bit of luck. Yeah, he played a lot of uh, Ireland or twenties with with um, Stuart Dolding, and I'm sure that helped having you know going down to have a, a couple of Ulster voices down there in the middle of the south of France. Here's a, a preview of the upcoming fixtures uh, for the Pro 14 this weekend from William. On a Friday night, two matches, both kicking off at 19.35, 7.35pm Irish time. Munster versus Edinburgh and the Ospreys versus Zebra. On Saturday, December the 1st, there are five games down for decision. Cheetahs versus Connacht with a 3pm Irish start. That's 5pm in South Africa. Ulster and Cardiff kick off at the same time. And then three games all kicking off at a quarter past five. The Dragons versus Leinster. 
Glasgow versus the Scarlets and the Kings versus Benetton. William, this game in the Cheetahs is, is going to be huge for Connacht. It could really set us up for a, a chance of keeping that third spot. Yeah, if you could if you could come back from South Africa six and four, it, 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 all it is now it's just points on a board. It's it's that simple. Um, and obviously the the, the big the, the interpros are huge coming up at Christmas, but it's the home and away to Cardiff and the home to the Ospreys. You've got to beat the sides that are around you. If you can stop them getting points or if they slip up somewhere that they shouldn't slip up, you have to seize the opportunity. So Connacht have an opportunity on Saturday to uh, win their two matches in South Africa and uh, get themselves nicely set in the table before they go into Europe. And then uh, it's interprovincial time. It is indeed. And you're looking at a situation where, um, just saw a tweet there, Connacht have the best defensive record in the conference only Leinster have a better defensive record in on the other side and the Cheetahs have allowed seven try bonuses so far this season in nine games amazingly they haven't let they haven't given away a losing bonus point but they've given away seven try bonuses um, so you know when they've won they've won well but it's a, it's a case of can Connacht get those scores on the board and, and get a victory as well well they play a very loose game and uh, that's testimony to Pete Wilkins. We'll have his defensive side of the, the thing set up. But Nigel Carlin will be trying to get the attack side set up for Connacht. Uh, it is it's it's quite fast paced rugby, and space is there. You've got to you've got to maximise your use of it. Closes down fairly quickly. Uh, it is a it's interesting. Connacht have made the decision. I, I asked Andy Friend last night about this. They're going to fly in the day before. They feel that you don't have enough time to acclimatise properly in a couple of days to the altitude. So you play, you just fly in, play the game and go home. And hopefully, leaving on Sunday, they will have another five points to add to their tally. Indeed. So before we talk any more, let's have a listen to what um, Cheetah's head coach, Franco Smith, and also Sean Venter had to say about the challenge that Connacht are going to present at the weekend. The Irish sides, as it is, are top performing at this stage, even in, in, like we've seen in the November these matches, they've got three guys there, so obviously quality side they've put together, Ireland's, um, so philosophy, Ireland's philosophy of uh, you know sharing information and sharing knowledge across the all four um, unions or all four teams makes it hard because they're all on the same page, this is more or less the same defence system, uh, powerful forwards, powerful um, ball carriers, good lineout, um, especially drive time. So, um, and they're not disrupted as as um, a lot of the other teams are. They've only lost the three guys and uh, four guys, and and uh, therefore you know they, they they come out and they are really definitely a must-win game for them, as uh, I'm sure the Kings was. So, um, yeah, there's a reason why they're sitting on a top three in this competition on this uh, tour. That puts them under a lot of pressure because they could run a form and they want to capitalize to the Yeah, look, I don't, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't worry too much because they still have, after our, our game, they still have European Cup uh, obligations. They've got uh, derbies coming up. So I think they also, their season is in the middle and they, they would like some continuity. So it's not like it's going to end for them after this game. Um, 
So, but that's that about them. I think for us, it's going to be important to kick on from our performance, um, building the momentum. We've got three from four now, and it'll be good to end up end of the year with another win. Um, we know what is expected. We know that with this weekend against Benetton, created 17 platforms of plat platforms from scoring in the first half, which we didn't convert, which we're now going to try and convert. So, very excited, you know, to get back out there again and. And, and, and dig on from what we've, we've done last week. Sure, we spoke about Connor being a very modest unit and marking a team that was more settled than last year. But they did show some vulnerability on Saturday, especially when um, the ball goes out wide or in the Kingswood space. It's obviously something that you guys want to target this weekend, but having said that, you have to earn the right to go wide. No, I think if our forwards can. Um, Get over, over the game line and make it possible for the backs to go wide. We'll, we'll arm them there. And um, I think the weekend against Benetton, they had to, they kept a good width on the defence. So I think a few times it should have went through them around just to tighten them up a bit. But um, yeah, there's a few plans in, in our, in our um, structure this weekend. They're looking to continue this winning streak that they've started. Um, having had a tough t start to the season, they've won two in a row, looking to make it three. Um, this will be huge because if, if the other thing to remember is, uh, you know, currently um, Cheetahs are struggling. If they get this win, they, they suddenly come into, you know, within range of looking at a, um, getting into the playoffs again. Yeah, of course, they don't have the uh, European uh, situation. So they, they're... they're they, their season for both of the South African teams stops and starts a bit because they don't play in Europe and they won't be playing in Europe next season so there's there's no European prize for them. Uh, the Cheetahs of course came third in the conference last year um, then went I didn't, didn't go well in their playoff game and they have made a very slow start to the season so I think this is a very important game for them and you know they, they played okay against Benetton could have gone either way. I think Connachter hopefully will be asking them different questions, be a bit more subtle in attack, and I think will probably be stronger uh, at set play, particularly in the scrum. Benetton's scrum did get a little bit messy. Um, you know, it, 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 the game sort of broke up, and that really suits the cheetahs. I think if you if you are going to play them, you want to play a very controlled game against them. You want to keep it quite tight. Once it gets wide and they get a bit of space, they can be they can be quite tricky. They certainly can. They have the, they have the league's top try scorer in, in Max Owene, who's um, really really dangerous out on the wing. Um, he scored seven tries so far this season. You know he's had fifteen clean breaks in, in nine seven games, eight games. Um, so you know th this is a very dangerous player. You also have Nico Lee in the centre, who's made over a hundred tackles. Like that's making he's averaging over t over ten tackles a match. That's that's incredible stuff. So like they do have some defensive capabilities, which will put our centres under pressure, and they have this ability to break out wide and and score from from distance as well. Yeah, the, the, their their game is is based on Super Rugby. I think both of the South African sides are. So they need, I suppose, going forward, they'll be trying to marry it more to maybe a little bit more pragmatic. But I'm not sure that they're they're at that stage yet. It's still harem scarem stuff. But it is it's difficult for the sides playing against them because it keeps coming at you from all sorts of different angles. The the pattern is that there's no pattern, uh, and they look they 
they've alluded to the fact that they, they've studied Connacht. They'll have a look and see what all sides these days, they analyse. Yeah, but I, I suppose part of the reason it's a bit sort of here and scare them is that they're playing on hard ground in good weather. You know, we're looking outside, there's a, there's a storm forecast for tomorrow. God knows what it's going to be like at the weekend. The ground's very wet and soggy and, and whatever. And I know, you know, there's great work done on pitches to make them far better than they used to be 20, 25 years ago. But they're still soft compared to what's going on in South Africa. And these guys are used to playing and running around. They love throwing the ball around and it, it sticks because it's not wet. Yeah, up on the veldt, that, that, that pitch could be rock hard. Uh, you see the pitches that the Lions played there in 1974 and 1980. If you go back onto the, the, the videos on uh, YouTube, uh, they look like sand. I mean, there is no grass. It's just burned yellow, hard ground, but it allowed players like uh, Phil Bennett, Gareth Edwards, just, I mean, they, they their footing is so sure that it does allow you to play a completely different sort of game to what we have here. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the reasons, I suppose, that uh, the artificial pitches are going to become more prevalent in Northern Hemisphere rugby um, because of the fact that you have a standard surface mm. and you can use it all the time. Uh, I don't know what they're doing in South Africa. On I, I know the gates open three hours before kickoff, so I'm assuming that there must be another match of some sort. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a schoolboys match or or it's some sort of mini rugby festival, because they can't damage the pitch, mm. and um, hopefully uh, they will get the attendances. I think are in, still a bit of an issue. We're, I'm quite puzzled by how this all works. But hopefully on Saturday there is uh, a decent crowd there. I'm sure there'll be some Connacht fans there. Well, I'm assuming that big crowd that were down in Port Elizabeth are going to make their way up to, to Bloemfontein and, and um, make a lot of noise there in that huge stadium that they play in. Yeah, it's a massive, it's a massive ground. It's, it's, it was used during the Soccer World Cup. So Bloemfontein Celtics, I think, play there now. Um, and they get bigger crowds. And uh, it can look a bit eerie and a bit empty. But then Connacht are used to playing when there's only 3,000 people in Murrayfield, and that's a massive stadium. And you can still get a bit of an atmosphere there. Uh, I think there was, it was too hot on Saturday for anybody to make much of an atmosphere against, uh, against Benetton. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see. And it's, it's an important game. It would, it would really cement the start to the season I think I keep going on about it but if you could go to 6 and 4 and get ahead of your 50% win ratio it gives you a real grip uh, you still have a lot of games to play and a lot of wins required but I think it would be a great achievement to go down there and win both games and I feel after last weekend they can do it Yeah Connacht are 13 points better off at this point in the season against the opposition that they've played based on results from last season you know where we've picked up you know, try bonus wins against Zebra and Dragons that we didn't have last year. Uh, win against Ulster away, which, of course, we'll keep talking, was the first one since 1960. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're way up in where we were last season um, and we just need to keep that going. Yeah, it's very important that they do. And this is where the conferences are beginning to become more interesting. I think last season we were all a bit unsure about how they were working really now comes down to you must win your in-conference games and your out-of-conference games. Of course, you must win them, but it doesn't matter. If you can beat a side from the other conference by a point and score four tries, and it doesn't matter if they score four tries, it's irrelevant to you. Mm. But games coming up with Cardiff home and away, 
Ospreys at home, they are going to be huge games. And But you've got to win your other games, otherwise you get to the point you just don't win enough games. But I think the conferences are starting now to be a real part of this competition. Uh, it's taken a little while, but they're becoming integral now to how, how it sets up. Yeah, and it keeps the keeps the season active right till till the very end because there's so much goes on. There's there's so many different teams that can get into playoffs or get into the um, you know the playoff for the European game. So it, it it keeps it quite interesting from my point of view. Anyway, I I quite like them. I like the the intricacies that they they bring. Um, right, I think we're we're more or less done. I don't we have anything else to talk about. No, um, Saturday three o'clock Irish time, five p.m. South African time. Uh, there'll be updates on Galway Bay FM from myself. I'll be uh, watching it on television and uh, we'll be back to tell you the story of it next week. I will start getting back to normal, having match day podcasts and everything. It's been driving me nuts not getting to live rugby, I have to say. Um, so we'll leave it there. Thanks, William. Cheerio, Alan. Sure